From Revenue Rhino, I'm Brad Hammond, and this is the Lifelong Customer Podcast. We're interviewing successful sales and marketing leaders and discussing ways in which they're building lifelong relationships with their customers. Welcome to the Lifelong Customer Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Hammond, and today I have Kevin from Parkright. Kevin, it's really nice to have you on. Thanks. It's a pleasure to be here. Appreciate you reaching out. Absolutely. I'm really excited for today's discussion. So first, can you tell me and those listening just a bit about yourself, about your company, who you are that you've created and built here? Sure. So as it relates to me, I am a lifelong Michigander, primarily from the Detroit area, studied government and urban planning, and then post-school moved into finance and real estate development. And over the last, we'll say a few years, that has morphed into a very strong set of connections and ties to parking and connected mobility. Parkright is a 45 plus year old company that owns and manages parking assets. And it also provides valet services and other connected consulting for organizations that either operate parking assets or have an interest in how their properties are positioned to support people coming and going. That's awesome. I love it. And tell me a bit about like what you guys are doing then, like parking. So I imagine like the like five want to go to like an event or something, or maybe like at my office, the actual parking garages and stuff. Is that the business you guys are in? The short answer is yes. I can't speak to your childhood, but in mine, things like Matchbox and Hot Wheels cars were very popular and we even had fun little garages and service stations. But parking broadly is much more than we realize. So especially in urban environments, even when there's really robust public transit, Parking is often tied to how people get to work or to entertainment venues. Sometimes they're living in an urban environment. And so parking can be, hey, I'm going to a sporting event or a concert or to dinner. Where am I going to park when I get there? But parking is also, even post-pandemic, if you're in a hybrid office schedule, where am I parking when I go to work? If you live somewhere where parking isn't readily available, where does my car go? I mean, even in neighborhoods in cities like Chicago, parking is a very high consideration in terms of where you pick to live and how you have people come visit you and where your car spends its time. So we have assets that are the types of garages you thought about and surface lots, but we also have programs and projects that really take into account different audience needs. Do you live? Do you dine? Do you shop? Are you working? And how does that impact your commute and your needs as it relates to parking? Absolutely. I love it. And getting into a bit of that, let's rewind and look at the past couple of years. Obviously, I imagine, you know, the pandemic, things have changed the way people live and work. And you've been really doing some innovative stuff when it comes to thinking about, like you said, solutions for parking and all that. I'd love to just hear a little bit of that story, some of the thought process, and then we'll dive into some of what you've done. Thank you. Yeah. So it's a great question. If you rewind a few years pre-pandemic, 
most large parking owners or operators, again, especially in urban environments, had two primary audiences, folks that came to work often five days a week, and they were what we would refer to as monthly parkers. They would engage in a a parking agreement or lease to have access Monday through Friday. Now, to be fair, Brad, that doesn't mean I would never let them park on Saturday or Sunday, but they generally didn't need it. And they were typically, we'll call it eight to five parkers. But that left a lot of those assets that supported those buildings and those businesses with a ton of flexibility and latitude evenings and weekends. And so then Mm. you've got what we would refer to as transient or entertainment parkers, people that are coming downtown for a meal, for a sporting event, a concert, or to engage with their city and community off of the standard business schedule. And as you can imagine, the pandemic has flipped a lot of that. Many, many companies are now full-time hybrid where they have team members who are working remote, if not half the time more. And so the demand during the standard business week in most cities is very, very different. And if you want your assets to continue to generate revenue, you have to be a little bit creative and agile in terms of what are your audience needs and how can you best meet those needs while still positioning yourself to be profitable. I love it. And you've kind of rethought a lot of the model here. I'd love to dive into that. Like some of the thought process of kind of thinking about like innovation and what can we do and then what you've actually done. Sure. So I think the short answer in terms of how I've thought about it and how our team has thought about it is like so many companies, I mean, virtually all of them, we provide a service. And I think one of the mistakes that people often make is no matter how fabulous your service or product is, you have to determine if it's filling a need for the person you're intending to offer it to. Otherwise, they're often not a motivated buyer, right? So I've been approached in my years of business by people who have some of the most incredible ideas and products or services but they don't solve a need for me. And so I'm not an ideal target or customer. And so one of the things that we did, both as the pandemic was happening, but especially in the time since we've started to emerge, is really assess what do our core customers or audience need? And part of that is by just having a conversation. Ask people, and Brad, I'll say this, it sounds a little trite, but it may be the single best thing I've ever heard in my life You can either listen to understand or listen to respond. Mm. I wasn't motivated to tell people what they needed. I was motivated to understand what they wanted. And that meant I had to ask questions and understand the answers to begin aligning offerings that would deliver on what they said was going to motivate them to make a buying decision. That was step one. We began reaching out to longtime monthly customers, to people that would park with us for special events, whether it was a football game or you know attending a new restaurant opening. We would literally ask questions, whether sending them emails, having people on the ground, and then we would listen to their answers and at times ask follow-up questions. The second piece of this is leveraging data. Data is an incredible, incredible buzzword, I would say, in, in today's environment. But you can use data to convince yourself of what you wanted to believe in here, or you can really dig in and attempt to understand what the numbers are telling you. And that's what we did. We watched which assets had patterns that were unexpected, 
when were people coming and going? How long were they staying? And then we would try to correlate that to what's going on in the community around us. Were there known events? Were there road closures? Were there changes in activity in, in the environment, in the community around us? And based on that, we started to draw conclusions. And when you overlay the data with the answers we got, we had programs sort of identify themselves to us. We had people who only wanted to park a certain number of times a month or on certain days or for certain blocks of time. And that allowed us to begin creating offerings that aligned with their needs. I love that. So when it comes to you know your sales and marketing and overall growth strategy, is it mostly consumer focused, like on the individual parkers? Or is it focused on like businesses that maybe buy a package for their employees or something? Both. <laughs> and that's really also tied to, I think, real estate's favorite word, which is location, location, location. So if we have a garage or a lot that is adjacent to office buildings, generally our primary audience or our, at least our first focus is going to be supporting those businesses and how they use and engage with their daily commute and parking. If it's a location or a series of locations that are closer to really popular restaurants and again, entertainment and sports venues, then we tend to see a lot more daily or, or transient activity. And we position that asset to really lean in and make sure that the offerings are targeted to those folks. So in the first category, what we've done is, and I'm going to make up numbers just for the sake of the audience here. In the past, if we were charging $200 a month, made up number for an office user, whether it was to your point, let's say it's a law firm that bought 20 parking spaces for its core team. Or you as an individual who happened to work in my made-up law office, you were typically buying parking on a monthly basis. Now, you could sign longer-term agreements, but that's usually how it was approached. Post-pandemic, it makes sense that you, whether you're the business or an individual employee of that business, your needs have changed. You're not coming downtown often 20, 21 days a month anymore. Now you may be coming downtown eight or 10 days rationally, you don't want to pay me the same hypothetical $200. I can draw that line in the sand and be rigid and likely lose your business, or I can be creative and flexible and find a hybrid approach that allows me to keep your business, but also use that space to support another customer just like you, but who maybe is coming to the office on different days. That's a lot of what we've done is Going back to the point about data, we've really begun paying attention to people's habits and using that insight and information, we can create offerings that meet not only your needs and your colleagues in your office, but the office down the hall or across the street. I love that. When it comes to is really keeping an ear to the ground and listening for needs and all this, when it comes to the actual reach out for engagement and all this, how, do, how does that work? Do you keep track of which businesses are moving in like certain locations and then go knock on their door when they move in? Like, what does that look like? So that's, it's such a good question. And I think our answer is probably not unique, but 
It starts with relationships. So first of all, we attempt to build really strong relationships with business owners and property management companies. So you do get a bead on companies moving in and moving out. That certainly does happen. Another piece of it is going back to my prior comments about location. Sometimes people reach out to you because you're really well positioned to support their arrival in a new location. We definitely do market. So through our website, people have an opportunity to explore our parking assets and pre-book parking, whether it's one-off or reach out for monthly or longer-term agreements. We have a new partner that does some of the outreach that you talked about. This company has put together programs to canvas in certain geographic radius for us. But that's really focused on what I'll call typically daytime traffic. Again, that's more of the office traffic. When it comes to the alternating uses, whether it is entertainment, dining, retail, that is a lot more tied to leveraging either some of the apps that you may have used in your lifetime, like ParkWiz or Spot Hero, connecting to services like a Ticketmaster, just to name one, where as you're booking your tickets, you can pre-buy parking. And it is also By using the technology that's available today, many locations, when you park, it isn't just credit card in, credit card out, or cash. (laughs) You have the ability to scan QR codes or by, again, downloading an app, you're automatically providing your email or your cell phone, and it creates that door almost always Mm. to opt in to receive messages. So I know if there's, you know, to pick a different, if there's a Kenny Chesney concert since I picked the Detroit Lions game previously. If you're downtown for a big concert, I'm pretty clear based on where you parked in the night and your arrival time, what likely brought you to my location. And that allows me to send you an offer that might be aligned with another upcoming concert or venue. Maybe I've noticed that you, Brad, have gone to the same venue 10 times in the last year. Now I'm less aware of what motivates you to go there, but I know you like going there. So it allows us to tailor those offers. Absolutely. I love that. Let's talk about the future. So how do you keep a pulse on industry trends, where things are going, all that? And then what are you excited about in your space as we head into this year? So myself and my organization broadly, we are members of a few industry associations. So there is the National Parking Association, the International Parking and Mobility Institute. Because my background is in real estate and development, I've been a member for Urban Land Institute for many years, which is the world's largest organization for connected real estate professionals and its supporting industries. And by belonging to those groups, attending their conferences and reading their publications, I think we stay pretty connected to what's happening or or on the horizon. Another thing that we do is we spend a lot of time talking to not just our competitors and partners, but also folks that are entering the arena with new technology and new ideas. Now, we see some of those at trade conferences, but it's also through operating facilities like we currently operate what is known as the Detroit Smart Parking Lab in partnership with a group called Next Energy. And that is a facility designed as an incubator and test hub for new technologies and emerging platforms. And so that gives us a lot of insight as to what's out there and what may be coming. So those are 
I think the most frequent ways. The other thing, I can't speak to the rest of you know my entire team, but I read a lot. And so some of that reading is is just about general business and theory, but some of it is also about how we interact as people. What I have found is that the greatest moments of success in our projects and programs are often tied less to being really keenly aware of my own industry, but just broadly human behavior. So books like Talking to Strangers from Malcolm Gladwell or Nudge, which has a pair of authors, Thaler and Sunstein, those things are really focused about how we engage with one another and what motivates a shift or change. And fundamentally, I'm constantly trying to learn how we can better meet the needs of our customers and our audience. And that's really by understanding them as people. I love it. Well, Kevin, it's been amazing to have you on. Thanks so much for all this wisdom and these insights and all that. It's been a great episode. Thank you. I really appreciate the time. Absolutely.